And I say that in a good way. So prepare your hearts, prepare your ears, your spirits to hear what Dr. Matthew Widmer has to speak this morning. Matt. Well, let's pray real quick here. Father, I just ask that you uh, would you would come forth this morning, what you have to speak, what you have to say, that you would open up hearts and you would open up minds uh, to comprehend and to receive, uh, and so that you might be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to preface this with, I'm not speaking as one who attained this whole message this morning. I'm not speaking as one who is good at this whole thing this morning, um, but I'm just going to be obedient to what God gave me to speak, and um, I'm going to trust that he's going to work more in, of it into my life just as he is for all of us. So I just want to, I want to preface that, that I'm not up here to preach at you. I'm, I'm more up here to um, kind of share this and then see how we all can apply it better together. So as I started preparing for this word today, God began speaking to me about fear, all right? which is not a topic that is new, um, and it has been discussed before in the past, um, and it's, common, it's a commonly discussed topic in the Bible as well, and in fact, uh, fear is used, at least in the New American Standard Translation, uh, about 310 times that you'll find the word fear scattered throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, so it's, it's not an uncommon word to find in the Bible. Um, and why? What makes fear so important to discuss? What makes fear good or bad? Uh, because you will find a mixture of the two in the scripture as well. So let's start breaking this down. Let's start going through this. Good fear. The fear of the Lord is an example of good fear. You will see this reference quite a bit throughout the Bible. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And it is, it is a good fear. So Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay? Um, that's just one example. If you go through the scriptures, but I, it's a common example, and I know it's one that our apostle enjoys. And it's one that came to mind when I was thinking of the fear of the Lord, probably because he says it and it's taught on. But the fear of the Lord brings knowledge, wisdom, Long life, strong confidence, riches, honor, life. So the fear of the Lord is a good fear. A lot of times we don't think of fear as a good thing. We hear it talked about negatively. But the fear of the Lord is actually something to receive and, and to live in. Okay? It, it's also in the New Testament with the New Testament church in Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up and as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. The fear of the Lord is a type of good fear. Though... Interestingly, if you look up the root word 
of fear as used in the context of the fear of the Lord, it can also be translated to reverence, respect, or piety. It also can be translated as fear and terror, but another synonym or, or definition of it is reverence, respect, and piety, which is not true for all forms of the root word of fear found in scripture, but when used in conjunction with the fear of the Lord, it often is, can be translated to reverence, respect, or piety, okay? Respecting the Lord and his ways leads to many blessings. This is the only type of fear we should really operate in. We need to be able to identify this type of fear and what it is like so that we can know and recognize when we are in the fear of the Lord versus other types of fear. A practical example of this is, uh, or where this comes from in my brain or where it leads me to is during medical school, we do a ton of examinations to learn how to examine heart, lungs, the musculoskeletal system. You know, we just, we just practice on each other. We practice on practice patients. They try and throw at us a ton of quote unquote normal people. And it's so that we can recognize what normal is. And that way when we see abnormal, we may not exactly know what is abnormal or what the diagnosis is, but we'll know something's wrong. You know, if I'm listening to the heart and I know what a normal heart sounds like and I hear something that doesn't sound normal, I may not know exactly what's wrong, but I know it's not normal. And really the same concept can be applied with our Christian walk is that God desires us to know what normal is, what is typical, so that we can quickly identify when we start stepping outside of that and we're operating in the abnormal. We're operating outside of where we should be. So, unfortunately, I think a lot of us, because we live in a fallen world, we get very used to what the abnormal fear is and we call that normal. And then when we operate, it, we think that when God comes upon us, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us and we have peace and comfort and understanding and confidence that that's just unique times where God is touching us, okay? When really the opposite should be the case in that we need to be able to live and operate and recognize the fear of the Lord and all the things that it brings with it so that if we're stepping outside of that, alarm bells are going off, red flags are going to say, this is not normal, all right? So that's why, the, that's why knowing what the good fear is is so important. Um, and I would argue is probably more important than the bad fear because I think a lot of us can quote what the bad fear is. But we are going to spend some time on that this morning. But I really want to hit home that knowing the good fear, the fear of the Lord, there is good fear in Scripture, and it's the fear of the Lord. Okay? And it brings with it a whole host of things that are very, very good stuff. And not only that, but... You can operate in it individually, and you can operate in it corporately, as it talks about in Acts 9.31, that scripture I read there, that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace and increase, okay, while they continued in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So corporately, you can operate in the fear of the Lord, which is very important.
All right, so bad fear. Quick summary, and I probably could just stop here, is any fear that's not the fear of the Lord is bad. Pretty quick synopsis. If you're taking notes, that's a good one. Just write that down, and you'll ace the test. All right? Any fear that is not the fear of the Lord is not a good fear. Okay? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Some translate timidity, because it also can be translated as timidity. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. The word spirit here is the same as Holy Spirit. That spirit is translated the same. Translates as pneumo or wind or breath. It's the same reason in the medical world we get pneumo, pneumothorax, pneumonia, anything pertaining to the lungs is pneumo. Breath of life, wind, okay? That's pneumo, that's spirit. Okay, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit was poured out or breathed out, uh, and it is something that we have available to dwell within us. But there's other things that vie for that place in our life that the Lord did not give us. All right, He has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, He did not breathe out for us to receive a spirit of fear. He poured out the Holy Spirit, a different spirit that we are supposed to operate in, okay? Fear here translates to timidity, cowardice, and fearfulness, all right? God does not want us to walk in timidity or cowardice. Instead, he desires us to walk with the Holy Spirit, which provides power, love, and discipline, Okay, that's the spirit which, with which he gave us. He wants us to walk in the, fear of the, in the fear of the Lord, keeping him reverently in front of us always. So let's examine fear and cowardice for a moment to make sure that we're not applying these things incorrectly. Okay, because I think sometimes we call fear and cowardice things that aren't necessarily fear and cowardice in our, in our minds. So fear and cowardice is not being unsure of what your next move is or that you're moving in the right direction. It's not those things. Now, it, doubt and that can lead to fear, but being unsure of which way to go next, questioning am I going on the right direction is not in and of, in and of itself fear and cowardice, okay? What those things should do is they should seek us to uh, look for the Lord's counsel, okay? Even questioning his plan, so let's say he's given you a direction, he's given you a plan, and questioning it and saying, I, are you sure this is the right plan? Are you sure this is the right next step? That in and of itself is not fear and cowardice, all right? So we need to make sure that we're not calling things fear and cowardice that are. A practical example of this is on the battlefield, all right? Um, many times when faced with going into combat, soldiers don't want to, all right? And they even question whether it's necessary. Do we really need to go there? 
do, is that town really worth our effort? Okay. Cowardice is not questioning the plan, but it is cowardice when we ignore the plan and run the other way. Okay. That is cowardice. Jesus even questioned before he was crucified whether this plan was necessary. All right. That is not cowardice. That is not fear. That is just saying, Lord, do I really have to go here? Okay? Cowardice and fear, though, is turning and running the other way. Cowardice and fear is what Jonah did when God said, you need to go to Nineveh. And he said, no, I'm going this way. Okay? Because I don't think your plan is right or I have my own thoughts on the matter. That's when fear and cowardice becomes a problem. Okay? Faced with a seemingly impossible task, many people question whether it is necessary. It's, that is natural. Christ even exampled that for us. Okay? That is natural. But it is not cowardice unless you turn back and abandon God's plan. It takes faith and the Holy Spirit to continue to walk forward through a situation that seems uncomfortable or your perceiving is going to lead to really bad things. God is not ignorant of this, which is why he sent the Holy Spirit so that we would not turn to the spirit of fear. He gave us the thing that is supposed to provide a way through all of these things that he knows is going to bring about a bunch of questioning, doubts, thoughts in our brain that are going, I don't know if this is right. But we have that comforter. We have that Holy Spirit. All right? We have that godly spirit as opposed to the spirit of fear. All right? He knows us. He knows our human nature. Our human nature is to fill ourselves with something. And you will fill yourself with something. The goal is to choose the right something to fill yourself with, and it's not the spirit of fear. In Romans 8, verses 14 through 17, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We have not received a spirit of slavery, okay, which leads to fear. Again, there are counterfeit spirits out there and if you are not filling yourself with the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord, you will be filled with something. We have to breathe. Spirit is just the breath. You will breathe in something. Okay? You must choose to continue to breathe in what God is breathing out, which is the Holy Spirit, the breath of life. Okay? Kind of like a sensi, a calming sensi that just keeps 
you know? The little diffusers, the sensi, the, okay. anyway. You will breathe in something. Breathe in God's diffuser, okay? His, his diffuser. I don't know what it exactly smells like. Probably frankincense, right? If you ask Jeannie. Okay. Christ died on the cross to break all bonds to fear. Okay? He, he, he went to the cross. He died on the cross. He released the Holy Spirit. And that is designed to break all bonds. It is to, designed to destroy anything else that's trying to enter into our life. It was designed to make it easier to have access to a redeemed life. It was not impossible in the Old Testament. We even saw examples of it thrown in, but those examples were unique because of that gulf, that gap. But the cross was to bridge that gap, release the Holy Spirit, allow us to breathe in what God is putting out and make it easier to walk a non-fearful, a non-timid, a non-cowardice life. In 1 John 4, 15 through 18, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. But this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, we also are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Okay? God, Jesus Christ died to break all bonds to fear. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us, God is love. And the one who remains in love, in God, and God remains in him. And love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. There is no fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. That's the last verse of that, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. The fear of the Lord is not fear of punishment. I think a lot of times 
when we talk about the fear of the Lord. Um, and, and if you look at the Old Testament contextually, you could get that sense that when they talk about the fear of the Lord, there is this sense of the potential for fear of punishment, fear of smiting, fear of giving me over to the hands of my enemies. But in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, the fear of the Lord does not equate fear of punishment from the Lord. Okay? Because God is love and there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Okay? Because fear involves punishment. We don't fear God because we fear his punishment. All right? And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We have reverence and piety and awestruckness. That is the fear of the Lord that we have. Because we have the Holy Spirit and we have this confidence that we know his love. Okay? We know that he has perfect plans for us. And that love drives out fear. The key here is what spirit you are allowing to operate in your life. What are you filling your lungs with? What breath or pneumo are you using? How was Jesus on the boat in the storm, able to operate in peace and confidence when the disciples were in fear. Mind you, the disciples had been with him for quite a while, had seen lots of miracles and, and all that stuff, okay? But Jesus was operating with a different spirit, which is why he chastised them and said, you have little faith, because you're listening to the wrong spirit. Okay. Fear of the Lord and the Holy uh, yeah, fear of the Lord and the Holy Spirit breathing in us, working in us, brings peace, confidence, discipline, power, love, and increase. All right? Like we talked about previously. I want to end with this, focusing on the good spirit. All right. We talked about some of the bad because I wanted you to see what that was about and what the scripture says about it. But again, I really want us to recognize the good. Peace, confidence, discipline, power, love, and increase. This is the litmus test for our life. We need to recognize the good so that if we're not seeing that in our life, it's a red flag that we're working with and cooperating with the wrong spirit. So what do we do when that happens? Because it's bound to happen. If it hasn't happened already, it's bound to happen again or for the first time if it hasn't happened to you. We need to rekindle the Holy Spirit. We need to say, God, I'm operating under the wrong spirit here. I'm recognizing it. And that's the first step, recognizing it, right? First step to knowing you have a problem is recognizing you have a problem. We've got to recognize it. 
That's why it's important to know the good so that we can recognize it. And then we say, okay, God, whoa, I'm listening to the wrong spirit here. I'm operating under a spirit of slavery. I'm operating under a spirit of fear. Okay, I'm not operating as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. I'm not operating in love. I'm not operating in the Holy Spirit. I'm certainly not operating in power and discipline and confidence and peace. I'm not operating with any of those things. They're not in my deck of playing cards anywhere. I can't find them. Okay? Rekindle the Holy Spirit. And it can be as simple as say, God breathe the Holy Spirit on me again. I know that I had it once. Maybe I'm ignoring it. I'm sure it's still in here somewhere, but just give me more. It doesn't have to be anything super pious, super pompous, super religious. It's recognizing it and asking for it. Okay? Mankind has not changed, really, in what we struggle with. Society has changed some, clearly. Technology certainly has changed some, okay? But the mental game is the same as it always has been. Which is why the Word of God is the go-to place for the revelation. It is why the Old Testament and the New Testament, I can read out of those things now and I can see how applicable they are for right this moment in time. Because this mental game has, has not changed. The things we struggle with, the things we come up with, the fears, they're, they're the same. But the tools we have, the tools we have in the Holy Spirit are always fresh. God is always breathing that stuff out anew. He's always giving new revelation to you. Being able to recognize it is in the book. Okay? Conceptually understanding it, being able to recognize it, being able to understand the good and the bad is in the book. Where did I turn to when I was going, okay, God, you're talking to me about fear. Where do I find information on that? I turned to the Bible. Why? Because that's where my information lies. That's where the revelation is on the good and the bad. What does God say about fear and the spirit of fear, the, the fear of the Lord? Where It's in the Bible. Okay, now how do I apply that to my day-to-day -day life? Because that's not in the Bible, right? Not really. It doesn't talk, it doesn't say, Matthew, when you go to work, this is what you should do and this is what you should say and this is how. That's the application, all right? So we first got to start with the recognizing. Then we have to ask for the refreshing and the new infilling because it's that Holy Spirit in you that is going to walk it, help you to walk it out, to provide the confidence and the peace. How many of us have been going through a situation and all of a sudden we just feel completely at peace or we feel completely emboldened and confident to say something? And you think, holy crap, where did that come from? I would have never... You know, in and of myself, I would have never said that. I would have never done that. I would have never acted that way or acted that quickly. I made a decision in five seconds where normally it takes me five weeks. You know what I mean? Like, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the activation, all right? 
That's the practical that we need to live in. That's the normal. That's how Jesus walked. That's what he modeled for us. That's what we have available to us. And again, this is where I say I'm not speaking as one who has achieved and attained. And I think that this is something that is likely a progressive thing, that as the more you do it, the more you practice it, the easier it gets, the more often you do it, and the quicker you'll recognize, okay, I'm not operating in it, I need to. God help me, turn me, refocus me so that I can operate in it again because I've stepped out of it. That's my heart for this morning. That's my, that's my revelation is that the Word of God will give us the information and the revelation we need to recognize the good and the bad, and then we receive the Holy Spirit to walk out the practical day-to-day. Because that's God's heart for us. God is love. He does not want us to operate in the spirit of fear. He did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us the Holy Spirit, which is power and love and discipline. So, Father God, I just ask that you would work in us the Holy Spirit. We don't have to focus on the spirit of fear. We don't have to focus on the spirit of slavery. They'll come knocking at our door all by themselves. Let our focus be on the Holy Spirit and how to walk in boldness and confidence and discipline with you, keeping our focus on you, keeping our reverence towards you, the fear of the Lord, that reverence that continually makes us understand that we need you in our life, that we are not the biggest thing on this earth, that you own the earth and all that's in it, that you are above it all, that's that reverence, that's that fear of the Lord, that you are above us, that our dependence is on you, and that you then pour out to us that Holy Spirit that allows us to walk your plan out confidently, boldly, with peace and love and discipline. And we receive it in Jesus' name, amen.